0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover, our Time podcast. We're back for our first episode of week three. Uh, today's date is November 6th of 2023. It's a Monday, um, and since it's a Monday, we are joined by, uh, well, first of all, I'm your host, Karsten. Uh, let me get that out of the way, I suppose. But uh, since it's a Monday, we're joined by uh, my co-host and good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing well, Karsten. Thanks for having me on. Of course, it's always good to have you on. It's, uh, you know, last week I think we uh, there was a few times where it's like, oh, you know, I think Wab wide on or oh, we missed him, but it was just kind of both of us having some some conflicting schedules. A bit of a busier week last week it seemed for both of us. But you're back now. It's good to have you. And back. we've got a uh, yeah, he's back. we've got a a pretty uh, packed show for for all of you in the listening audience today, I suppose, if we want to. Phrase it that way. So let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's jump right into it with uh, our game summary, specifically since it's a Monday, our quote unquote five on five drill. Um, We'll take turns doing our, our five games we're talking about there, and then we'll have some additional notes. And after that, we'll get into our key news as well. All right, so we're going to start with Friday's action, and we have three games of our five from Friday because, of course, Friday was the inaugural uh, in-season tournament day, the group play days. Um, if you remember, those are going to be every Tuesday and Friday night in the month of November, except for tomorrow. We'll get to that when we get to our weekly forecast. Um, there are no games tomorrow, but uh, on Friday, we had a slew of in-season tournament Games, excuse me. Um, a bunch of teams are either, uh, leading their group or are in the bottom of their group simply because they have uh, a win or a loss. Um, some groups played more than others. It looks like, uh, East Group B had two games, so that one's a little bit more fleshed out. But regardless, let's go ahead and start with, um, maybe the most exciting or one of the most exciting games from Friday's action and that was the uh Golden State Warriors winning in Oklahoma City against the Thunder 141 to 139 in a uh, a thrilling finish a controversial finish a little bit we'll get into that but uh you know Steph Curry huge in this game and he hit the shot towards the end that as it stands will be the uh the winner look at the flow of the game it was a very back and forth game 23 lead changes in this one. Um, Neither team holding a lead bigger than nine points throughout the game. Uh, They were tied 15 different times in this game. And both teams had a great play, you know, high scoring uh, production from both teams. Looking at the box scores for the Thunder, they were led actually by Luguenz Dort. You, know, you think of a lot of other players offensively for them before you think of, of Lou Dort, but he had 29 points and five boards. Uh, he was six of six from three-point range, and that's, that's an easy way to start racking up points in a hurry. Uh, Chet Holmgren uh, did start at center, even though there was, you know, I think there's maybe some questions about whether he'd start a power forward or center. Uh, 24 points, eight boards, five assists, a steal, and a block. Um, he was eight of eight from the free throw line, seven of nine from the floor two of two from the three-point line as well. So Holmgren and Dort really the two main guys for the Thunder, but also Jalen Williams, that's L-E-N Williams, uh, and Josh Giddy with 18 points each. Solid games for them. Uh, Kason Wallace uh, starting, the rookie starting in this game, 13 points for him, and then Isaiah Joe with 16 points off the bench as well. Um, a pretty solid game all around for the Thunder, especially those, those key guys, but again, for the Warriors. Uh, Stephen Curry. 30 points, eight boards, seven assists, two steals, uh, five of ten from three-point range, sixty percent from the floor. Uh, as we've seen time and time again, just willing the Warriors to victory and still asserting a little bit of uh of some sort of I don't know, dominance might be a strong word, but you know, his ability to play in Oklahoma City, we've seen, you know, there's the iconic game winner from the regular season in 2016. Um you know, one of the iconic Mike Breen bang calls of all time. But uh yeah, great, great, uh, great game for him. Excuse me. Uh Clay Thompson, 18 points, three boards, four of six from three. We had 17 from Andrew Wiggins, 15 from Draymond Green, uh, 20 off the bench for Dario Saric. This is the second very good game off the bench in uh, in just as many games, I think, you know. And so I think that's a great sign for the Warriors to get that production kind of seeing the Dario Saric, we saw maybe a few years back with Phoenix when he was a, a key part of that bench, and then 19 points for Jonathan Kaminga, not to mention 13 assists off the bench for Chris Paul, who also scored one point. So great job, Chris Paul. Um, wow. <laughs> it's it's just interesting. Obviously, he's now for the first time, really in his career, ever since college, uh, he's this is the first time he's been coming off the bench, and he can if he can just lead the second unit that's probably not the worst thing in the world, bringing that veteran presence to a group. That's mostly younger guys. I mean, a little older this year with Saric and, and Corey Joseph on there as well, but uh yeah, great win for them. Uh, of course, the controversy that was alluded to um on the Curry layup inside or the, the, the shot inside to, to get the win. Um There was talk of a, an offensive goaltend by Draymond green. Um, hand up near the rim the call was made in the moment and then after the fact after a review it was reversed so that the basket did count some people may be saying um both thunder fans and not um people saying maybe it, it shouldn't have counted with with that call but uh regardless it counted the warriors able to come up with a win in that one and uh they are one and oh to start their their uh West Group C run here in the uh group play stage of the in-season tournament. So that's our first game. I'll go ahead and send it over to Wyatt for our second game, uh, Portland and Memphis.
1: Thanks, Karsten. So yeah, Portland and Memphis had a, a you know a very close game. They're two very like evenly matched teams. Uh, you know, you might say that they're in a lower tier category than Warriors are. These are you know, maybe some of the teams that are a little lower on the standings, but they went into overtime Uh, and ultimately Portland got the win 115 to 113. But if you look at the team comparison, like two points difference at the end, two rebound difference assists was heavy in Memphis's uh favor with 29 versus Portland's 19. And then Portland had a few more steals. Memphis had a few more blocks, turnovers, basically the same field goal percentage. Memphis had a slight edge and then three pointers were almost exactly the same percentage and free throw was, um, you know, kind of a deficit there too, but they're like very evenly matched, you know, one, one team excels in one stat and the next stat is, uh, won by the other team. So it's kind of a, you know, fun game. If you're interested in, in, uh, following either of those Teams, it's a fun one to watch because it was such a good uh, such such a good competition. That, you know, twenty one lead changes. They were tied nine times. Uh, the Grizzlies got the biggest lead with eleven, but Portland ended up with the win. If we look at the top players, uh, leading the Grizzlies was Desmond Bain with thirty three, closely followed by Jaron Jackson Jr. with thirty points. Uh, And they were, of course, stellar across the board in several of the stat uh, groups. So, Jaron Jackson had 10 rebounds, 8 of them defensive, 2 offensive. And then Desmond Bain had 8 rebounds, so just a couple behind and 7 assists. So, great job for him. Both of them had 3 blocks. So, uh, you know, we might expect that from Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, the defensive Technician that he is, but uh, Desmond Bain, uh, I, I don't know, maybe that, that's not unusual for him, but to see a guard with three blocks, I was pretty impressed with that. Going over to the Trailblazers, their leading score was Jeremy Grant with twenty six, followed by Malcolm Brogdon with twenty four and Sh- Shaden Sharp with twenty two. So those are kind of their top dogs with DeAndre Ayton. You know, kind of closely behind with 16, but also pulling down 12 rebounds. Uh, Assists were pretty even through several of them, but Brogdon had a whopping 10 assists. So, great job uh, dishing the ball there. Oh, and Robert Williams, I should mention also, he had 10 rebounds, which is close uh, to DeAndre Ayton's 12. Steals, DeAndre Ayton and Malcolm Brogdon both had three, so... Uh, some great, uh, great performances, both on the offensive and defensive end for both of these teams. So uh, great job to go out there and, you know, compete for a win and to start off the tournament and great job to the Trailblazers for securing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes it can be easy to write off games like this from a fan perspective, you know, oh, it's, it's the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers. They're not, that great this year at least to start the year but of course the the worst player on the worst team in the nba is still one of the greatest players in the world you know right we can defer to brian scalabrini's wisdom he has a great quote on on that but um you know yeah you're gonna have i mean both these teams have talented players and something i was also forgetting with memphis like i was aware of this but just you know kind of thought about this fact the other day Memphis has the last two defensive players of the year of course last season Jaron Jackson jr but the season before that Marcus smart and I'd be Mm -hmm. interested to see I feel like that's probably happened a few times before but it's hard to think off the top of my head of an instance of that and then one last comment you brought up a good point about Desmond Bain and his monster defensive stats if you look at his career numbers he averages about 0.3 blocks per game so so Not quite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely a standout night. Um so but yeah, yeah, I also
1: this I season some...
0: he's averaging uh point seven blocks. So
1: yeah, oh, sorry, okay. go ahead so that's up a little bit. Uh I just gotta give some props to Jaron Jackson Jr., the big man shooting five for eight on three point land. So yeah,
0: okay. that's a good one. I mean Not he really. he's one of the better uh three point shooting bigs in the league mm-hmm. even though his form looks a bit <laughs> unconventional. He, yeah. Yeah, he makes it work. But uh yeah, great, great job there for, for both teams and especially Portland getting the win. Um we'll make note of it later, but also the Memphis Grizzlies and the Trailblazers did play again a couple days later. And the Grizzlies won that was their first win of the season. Um congrats to that. We'll again we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit more in a couple of segments for now, let's move on to that next game. Uh, the last game from Friday night that we'll focus on. And that was the um, battle of the European greats, Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic battling it out in Denver uh, with the Nuggets coming out on top 125 to 114 against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this is West group B action. Um, and it was really Um, Much different from the other games in the sense that the Nuggets took a lead in the first quarter early on, and they just kind of controlled the game for the most part through the whole way. It wasn't a route by any means, but, uh, you know, a steady lead. The Nuggets led by as many as 20 points in the third quarter. They were just able to kind of control the game for the most part beginning to end. Um, Great job all around for them in this one. Looking at the box scores, firstly for the Dallas Mavericks, Luca with 34 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, 9 turnovers, though. That's definitely a troubling sign, even though the Mavericks have been one of the winning teams, more winning teams up to this point in the season. Um, Hopefully that doesn't become a trend. It seems like averages, at least for this week, he might have been a little high on turnovers, maybe skewed by the one game. But um, yeah, Kyrie Irving, 22 points, 7 assists. Four steals and two blocks, uh, joining Desmond Bain in that guard yeah. defense category. There, um, 13 points for Grant Williams, of course, the re- recent acquisition, uh, in, the, in this very offseason. 13 points off the bench for Josh Green as well. Um, just not a, a massive amount of offensive production for the Mavericks, not terrible production, but for the Nuggets, um, Jokic with 33 points, 14 boards, nine assists. A steal on the block, um, 87 from the floor, hit both of his three-pointers. Um, I mean, just one of his MVP type games, his finals MVP type games. I mean, he's one of the best in the uh in the world for a reason. Uh Michael Porter Jr. with 24 points and nine boards and two blocks. Um Aaron Gordon, 18, 8, and 6, 8 boards, 6 assists, and then Jamal Murray, 18 points and 13 assists. In this one, so the starters definitely pulling a little bit more of the weight in this game, but a a great all round win. Um, You know, with Jokic and the Nuggets starting off the season the way they are, it's hard to really bet against them to have a a good chance of you know being in contention to to maybe repeat as champions. Uh, We haven't seen that for a few years now, but uh, yeah, great win. Still a good job for the Mavericks, and uh, that's it for our Friday action. I'll go ahead and set it back to Wyatt for our Saturday game.
1: Okay. Yeah. So first game that we're going to talk about on Saturday is the Hawks at New Orleans to play the Pelicans. So this game, as far as the game flow, the Pelicans led for basically the first half of the game. And then it was the Hawks turn to lead for most of the second. Uh, They had a few late lead changes, most of them early on. But the The Hawks ended up with kind of a demanding win with 123 to 105 uh, over the Pelicans. And if you look at kind of how the, you know, the, the difference in the two teams, what really, uh, you know, gave the win over to Atlanta. And in my opinion, it's, it's looking like second chance buckets. The Atlanta Hawks had 52 rebounds compared to new Orleans uh, 35 and Second chance buckets. Atlanta had twenty four versus New Orleans fourteen. So or second chance points, not not uh buckets. So kind of a a little bit of a stark difference, I think, there for them. Which you know otherwise throughout the game it was pretty even in about every other category. So we'll look at the box score to see who was responsible for these. Uh, these rebounds. Jalen Johnson with eleven, and then outside of him, Clint Capella had seven. Dejounte Murray with eight. Trey Young and Bogdan, uh, both had five. So a pretty even spread after Jalen Johnson with, um, eleven rebounds. Their top performers point wise, they, really had a pretty even group. Trey Young had twenty two. Jalen Johnson with twenty one. Dejounte Murray with twenty. Clinton Capella and uh, Onyeka Okongwu both had 17. So, I mean, a lot of decent, you know, scores on the Hawks, which makes, you know, makes them a dangerous team because you can't just lock down one all-star. You got several very solid players that will, you know, put the, put the ball in the hoop. So good job to the Hawks for earning that win. Uh, the Pelicans. If we look at them, they had Zion with twenty five, and then kind of a a little bit steeper drop off to his other group of helpers. Uh, Brandon Ingram was sixteen, Jordan Hawkins with fifteen, and then Herbert Jones and C.J. McCollum with thirteen. So both of both of these teams have, you know, a uh, a decent group, you know, four or five guys that can all. Score the ball, but unfortunately for the Pelicans, you know, Zion is kind of ahead of the rest of the group, and they're a little the bulk of the group is behind where the Hawks are operating right now in this game. So, you know, they'll get there, maybe. Uh, And then Jonas <laughs> Valentinus, he had seven boards along in Ingram with seven boards. So, great job there. Uh, let's see. Jordan Hawkins was the best shooter for the Pelicans, four for eight. Uh, And, you know, other than that, no crazy numbers, several turnovers from both uh, Herbert Jones and Jonas Valanciunas, but nothing uh, too crazy down with the Pelicans.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, a bit of a letdown. You know, they'd had, uh, I think, probably two, maybe three straight wins going into this game. Um, or they had had a, a great run, um, and they, they still had a good week overall. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Jalen Johnson for the Hawks. I wanted to touch on his play for just a moment. He uh, last season averaged about 15 minutes a game and had shown some flashes of, you know, he could be an interesting player. Um, I, maybe some people, definitely Hawks fans, probably knew this better than than others, but I wasn't quite aware of this type of breakout that he would have. I mean, 14 and a half points, eight boards, two assists, uh, a steal and, and a little shy of a block per game. I mean, that's that's huge improvement in numbers <clears throat> with him getting some starting opportunities. And he's also shooting forty percent from three point range. So that is a yeah. huge, huge lift for them to get that kind of production in the wake of trading away a John Collins type player. So um
1: Yeah, he was two for three from three point line tonight. And you know, shot great percentage. Otherwise, played 35 minutes. <clears throat> oh, and Trey Young, you know, he uh, dished out 12 assists. By the way, oh yeah, <laughs> just a, just an afterthought. But, just a, uh, yeah, unimportant side <laughs> note. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I like uh the Hawks of makeup, and you know, maybe I was a little more doom and gloom when I when we did our franchise focus in week one for the Hawks. And I said, they kind of have an awkward positioning. Um, and that was maybe just a little more of the last couple of seasons after, you know, in 2021, they made that surprise conference finals run um, giving, you know, they, they beat the, the Knicks and the Sixers and had this great, you know, these great playoff series. And then the last couple of years, they haven't done as great in the playoffs, but um, this yeah. is still a team with plenty of, uh, firepower to make that kind of run happen, and now again with the first season of first full season with Quinn Snyder at the helm, they look good so far. I mean, they're one of the top teams in the East record-wise, very early on. So,
1: that'd be interesting to see what yeah. they do
0: from this point on. So, yeah, very exciting Ooh, stuff yeah. for them.
1: It will be interesting. I agree. <laughs> they they are. I do agree with your franchise focus, though. They are a little bit still kind of in that awkward positioning. Mm-hmm. Like of what we expect rank wise this year, but yeah, well, really it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I, I, I kind of compare it to Chicago a little bit. I think Atlanta's in a much better position than Chicago in terms of the age of their best players and their prospects right. to make the team better. But it still feels like a team that, you know, if they're firing on the cylinders, they're you know just a notch below the contenders in the East, but they're still mm-hmm. really good. But then at their worst, they run the risk of not even making the play-in, barely. So True. it's just hard to determine. But yeah, good start for the season so far for them, uh, and a great win Saturday night. Let's go ahead and close off our 5-on-5 five five drill with Sunday's game that we'll focus on. Uh, the Toronto Raptors winning on the road in San Antonio against the Spurs in overtime, 123-116. to 116, um, Kind of ending a nice little hot streak the Spurs had had of late. Uh, this week, um, looking at the box scores for this game uh, and kind of the flow of the game, the Spurs held the biggest lead of the game, at uh, 22 points. That was just before halftime. And the Spurs controlled this game for the most part up until the fourth quarter. The Raptors made a run of it and were able to force a tie to extend the game at overtime where they controlled the overtime period and were able to come away with the win. So, you know, just another case of never over till it's over and credit to the Raptors for sticking around in this one. Uh, looking at head-to-head, you know, team comparison-type stats, they're pretty similar. The Spurs actually shot better from the floor uh, by a few percentages, but the Raptors were a much better three-point shooting team in this game, and the Raptors were actually a much worse free-throw shooting team in this game. So it's just interesting how that works. You know, the Spurs had the advantage in, in a lot of key categories, um, but late in the game, the Raptors were able to just – uh you know string some things together they got some good stops we know that the raptors have plenty of guys with defensive capability uh and they're able to get the job done there let's start with the spurs though as far as player performance they were led by Keldon johnson and scoring 26 points with six boards three assists and two steals 61 percent from the floor for him great all-round game zach collins 21 points 11 boards and five assists uh and then wemby when 20 points nine boards, four assists, five blocks, and a steal, showing, again, the excitement that is surrounding <laughs> Wen Binyama. And we'll talk a little bit more. I, I have some things to talk about with Wen in a in a, a segment I'm excited about for today's episode. Um, we also had 16 points from Malachi Branham getting the start in this game in place of uh, Devin Vassell. And then 12 points off the bench for Doug McDermott. So not, not a terrible game for the Spurs. And again, they had a lead for much of it, but the Raptors put together some big performances. Mainly Scotty Barnes, 30 points, 11 boards, 6 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. Monster game from him. Five of uh, five out of his 10 three-point attempts were good. Um, yeah, stellar game all around. 24 points for O.G. Ananobi with 7 boards, 4 assists. 24 points for Dennis Schroeder as well two steals and a block. And then, uh, Yaka Pirtle 16 points, 10 boards, and then 10 points off the bench for Gary Trent jr. So, you know, Barnes and Ananobi and Schroeder really willing the Raptors to victory with, you know, some help from Pirtle as well. Uh, great win for them. They, uh, they're hanging around, you know, they're, they're not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're just a game below 500 at this point. Um, and beating the Spurs who have shown some moxie this season. So a great win for them all round. And that, that covers our, our five on five drill for the most part. We'll rick real quick, run through some six men. These are the, uh, the standout statistical performances from the remaining games. Uh, so we'll just cover that. We won't cover all of the other game results simply because we'll have a chance to talk about that in a abbreviated format with our power rankings. So as far as the other standout stats, uh, from Friday night, Donovan Mitchell had 38 points and nine assists in a loss in Indiana against the Pacers. Jalen Brunson 45 points, five boards, four assists in a loss in Milwaukee against the Bucks, and those are both in season tournament. We'll also mention real quick since it was a tournament night, uh, the Nets won in Chicago against the Bulls, and the Heat won um, in Washington, a or, uh, at home actually against Washington, the Washington Wizards, uh, and then Saturday. Uh, a bunch of performances that were standout from, you know, all-star type guys. Anthony Davis, 28 points and 13 boards in a home loss, or actually a loss in Orlando against the Magic. Paolo Bencaro, 25 with 10 assists in a win, in that win versus the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Tyrese Halliburton had 43 points and 12 assists in a loss versus the Charlotte Hornets at home. Kind of surprising there. Anthony Edwards, a 31 points, eight boards, six assists in a win uh, at home versus the Utah jazz, Jason Tatum, 32 and 11 boards in a win in Brooklyn against the Nets. That game was also statistically important uh, for his career stats. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. Uh, Nicole twenty-eight points, 28.16 boards, nine assists in a win uh, versus the Ch- Chicago Bulls at home. And then on Sunday, Kevin Durant with 41 points in a win in Detroit against the Pistons. Um, LaMelo Ball, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists, triple-double in a loss in Dallas against the Mavericks. And then Desmond Bain, 30 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. in again, the Grizzlies' first win of the season in Portland against the Trailblazers. So that covers our, our, our game and player summaries from this last weekend of action, a busy weekend, especially with the Friday action. And uh, with that, let's actually real quick cover our key news. We don't have a ton of items here. Uh, so we'll just go ahead and blitz through that uh, real quick. Firstly, the Memphis Grizzlies did officially sign center Bismack Biombo to a standard contract. We mentioned uh, previously, they're waiting for um, a few games to pass in the season. So they would get an exemption for John Morant's suspension, which would allow them to sign an extra player to their roster. So they've done that helping out their much depleted front court. So uh, he, I think he did already play for the Grizzlies at this point uh, for the Pelicans. They made a couple small moves. They waved forward Kaiser Gates, who was on a two-way deal, a two-way contract. And in his place, they've signed forward center Jeremiah Robinson Earl to a two-way contract. So just swapping around two-way contracts there. Um, And then we have uh, a few injury items for you. Firstly, for the Orlando Magic center, Wendell Carter Jr. will undergo surgery to repair a fractured third metacarpal in his left hand. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks. Uh, So definitely going to be a tough stretch for the magic without their starting center um uh, back to the pelicans uh guard cj McCollum has been diagnosed with a small uh pneumothorax I hope why hopefully i'm pronouncing that correctly uh print that otherwise known as a collapsed lung uh his right lung and additional examination uh over the next while is going to determine the progress of that healing and kind of determine what that timeline will look like for his uh recovery from that injury uh For the Portland Trailblazers, uh, forward center Robert Williams III will require right knee surgery. Uh, This is after uh, an injury during Sunday's home loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. And then finally, for the Denver Nuggets, uh, guard Jamal Murray will miss time with a hamstring strain suffered early in Saturday's win at home versus the Chicago Bulls. So for all four of these guys, tough injuries. We definitely want to wish them the best and their organizations the best as they work to recover from those injuries. Um, a couple other notes. Uh, we mentioned the, the Tatum stat line, uh, in that game, Jason Tatum also became the youngest Celtic to score 10,000 career points, uh, again, in that Saturday win in Brooklyn against the Nets. Pretty remarkable. You think about the storied history of the Boston Celtics, and they've had some of the games, great players, even though when you think about it, they necessarily haven't, haven't necessarily had some of the, the greatest pure scorers. You know, you think of guys like Kevin Durant or Michael Jordan or, you know, Kobe Bryant as far as pure scorers, guys that can just put boatloads of points on you. Um, And the Celtics haven't had a ton of that. I mean, their career scoring leader is John Havlicek, who put up some great point totals in in numerous seasons. But, um, yeah, definitely a a huge accolade for a career that's off to a fantastic start. And uh, kudos to Jason Tatum for that. Um, For the Clippers, James Harden uh, will make or has made his debut at this point uh, of the night, Uh, debuting for the Clippers tonight in New York against the Knicks, Madison Square Garden, pretty auspicious place to start your tenure with a franchise. (laughs) And then a couple of notes for uh, NBA specific items. Firstly, it's confirmed that the San Francisco Bay Area uh the golden state warriors uh along with that they will host the nba all-star weekend in 2025 so uh next season's all-star weekend and then um the nba players of the week uh jason tatum and stephen curry named the players of the week in the eastern conference and western conference respectively we'll have a chance to highlight them with our weekly mvp a little bit later on as well but uh i believe that is it for our key news why any comments on anything uh, of course as our resident medical expert Um any comments <laughs> on any of those those injuries or anything like that were you impressed by my ability to pronounce pneumothorax
1: yeah it's actually phenomena oh yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> no i was impressed uh i was just trying to figure out what uh surgery um robert williams is getting but it sounds like those details haven't been released yet so oh,
0: gotcha yeah i think it was just Maybe today or yesterday that that was even announced, so
1: yeah, I would guess meniscus based on his history, but uh right, yeah, no, it's a it's a bummer. I hope you know of all these guys, <clears throat> of course, you want of course, you want the good teams to be healthy, right? So the competition is uh fair and you know competitive <laughs> so that the competition's right. competitive. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so you know, I hope Jamal Murray gets back quick with that hamstring strain Mm -hmm. it's minor one so yeah
0: right absolutely yeah again all those guys were wishing them the best as they work to recover from those injuries and uh otherwise that takes care of our key news for uh this past weekend so with that let's go ahead and uh segue into our power rankings which this time we will remember the drop for uh here it is for you rankings okay here we go and i was saying this to wyatt actually before we hopped on i think that um it's kind of a you know not a caveat but something to keep in mind with our power rankings for this week and maybe the next couple of weeks with us with the teams not having played that many games at this point you know you have a team that goes undefeated in a week and suddenly they vault up the standings 11 spots or, or nine spots or whatever it is it can be hard to kind of really differentiate the teams' you know a four and three team that had a, a recent four game winning streak versus a three and four team that lost their last three you know who's the who's the better team I it's I don't know I mean I guess that one's a little more cut and dry but anyways yeah. um it's that without a mind we have a lot of movement i think both of us had a ton of teams move and we had a lot of teams that were (laughs) excuse me that were big movers either up or down um why i think i'm actually going to let you start because i'm seeing um a team that i had drop as well but years they dropped a little bit further on your rankings than in mine but uh let's go ahead and hear your your thoughts your power rankings first if that's okay okay
1: yeah, I'm also gonna I'm also gonna throw in some thoughts here on the tournament, the in season tournament, mm. because like, you know, I I am trying to decide if it makes this power ranking especially difficult or, mm. uh, you know, easier this year because now it's like, okay, now you know the teams are trying a little harder, I guess, for lack of better way to put it, mm. so. Is it giving us a more accurate look at what, you know, it's going to look like later on than the playoffs and stuff? Are we seeing like, okay, here's our, our real competitors or is it just like, does it totally not contribute to what we're going to see and playoff wise or like after the tournament, you know, like maybe Mm -hmm. some of these teams really want to succeed in the tournament. So they start doing well and then just, you know, the rest of the season they kind of tank and are trash, So I think it's just an I don't know if you know I don't know exactly how it's going to end up adding to power rankings. I just think it's it might be an interesting factor in mm-hmm. uh you know, both how teams compete and how we rank people <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely yeah. so as far as my big movers, uh, I'm guessing Grizzlies are who you were referring to, uh yeah. my they dropped thirteen spots for me, uh which sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I like Jaron Jackson Jr. and he's on my fantasy team. Uh, but yeah, the Grizzlies are kind of having a rocky start here this Mm -hmm. season, especially with you know they're not having John Morant yet, and who knows how that's gonna change their dynamics back. Uh, so we'll see there. Uh other other big movers, the Bulls dropped 7, the Jazz dropped 6. Um and th- those are all in my bottom uh you know six teams in the league. The Knicks actually dropped significantly nine spots uh mm-hmm. for the Knicks who really didn't have that bad of a week. I mean, one and two, but I don't know the I kind of had high hopes for them going into the season. I was kind of optimistic by how they would do it. And I just feel like I'm getting disappointed and I'm probably biased because uh, Julius is on my fantasy team and he's just really been disappointing. <laughs> like <laughs> every four or five games, he'll have a bigger night, mm-hmm. but then like, like he'll have like four games in a row scoring less than 10 fantasy points, which if you are not you know if you if you don't have experience with fantasy leagues, that's terrible like you know less than ten points is just awful uh yep. anyway, let's look at the positives here. The magic jumped up seven spots, which uh I was watching an interview with uh let's see i think i watched I watched LeBron and Wemby in-tournament picks, you know, where they pick a winner from each group and then they get to choose a wild card from the East and a wild card from the West Mm -hmm. that they think is going to do much better than, uh, I guess, everyone expects. And Wemby picked the uh, Magic, and, you know, I I guess I kind of agree with him or got to give him some credit because my power rankings are reflecting their uh, recent jump of seven spots. Hmm. uh, other big jumps are Ma- the Mavericks. they have moved up seven spots. And this one might be a little bit, you know, just hopeful optimism because I want the Ma- Mavericks to do good because I feel like Luca is, you know like always playing out of his mind trying to you know find some success, and, you know make a deep playoff run or uh even better a, a conference, you know or finals run. Hmm. But the poor guy can't get that. So I hope this year, you know, now that, you know, he's been playing with Kyrie for a year that this will be, or, you know, this will be a full year playing with Kyrie. I'm hoping that this will uh, work out a little bit better for Dallas and the, the Mavericks there. So, yeah, otherwise, my top team's, Nuggets didn't move. I saw them first. And then I have Celtics, Bucks, Warriors, and then Mavericks in fifth, which, yeah, a little surprising, I know. And hmm. then Lakers, Sixers, Suns, who have been a little bit disappointing. And then Cavaliers and the Timberwolves around out my top ten. Okay. Yeah,
0: fair enough. And I think we ended up with our same teams in the top ten, even if our order is a little bit different. But um yeah, I would echo the the Mavericks thing. Um, as far as my power rankings, I did rank them sixth instead of fifth. Um, just kind of what you talked about. It felt a little bit weird um, putting them quite that high, but uh, they, they've still been impressive. I mean, they've been, I want to say, the second best record in the West behind the Nuggets, or at least the top three or four record in the West. Um, a great start for them. So um, it's hard to not rate rate them highly especially this early in the season but um looking at things for me um the grizzlies fell nine spots they fell to actually the same spot as you i guess i just had them a little bit lower in last week's rankings um Bulls, jazz yeah they both kind of fell down for me as well pretty similar for that uh for that part but um yeah i want to touch on the jazz just because of course we as uh utah residents were fans of the jazz and um I, I, I don't know about you, why I've had a chance to watch a couple of the games. I watched their win against the Clippers. That was a fun one. But otherwise when I've watched them, they, the offense just looks kind of, I don't know, uninspired. I mean, yeah. there's, <laughs> it's yeah. Ugly. It doesn't look good. Um, Lowry still looks very good. Um, you know, I think, I don't think he's really dropped in play, um, in any sense, but, um, going back to fantasy I saw today, Wyatt dropped Walker Kessler from his fantasy team. And he sent out a, he sent out a message, actually. Hey, looking for a decent center. <laughs>
1: He's not impressed. I, I have no centers. I don't have a single true center <laughs> on my team. J- J- uh, Jared Jackson Jr. is my only guy who's listed as a power forward center, you know? <laughs> right.
0: Well, and I mean, they're starting him at center, just obviously yeah. with
1: their, their depth issues.
0: So you could start with him, but... Um... I think I mentioned a Wyatt, and we actually posted it um, a few weeks ago. Uh, Mark Williams could be a good option, but we'll have to see what yeah. what I'm he decides tempted. on. Very tempted. But, um, yeah, they just haven't looked that great. Um, Keontae George, who I've been pulling for, you know, I, I'm hoping he gets yeah. more run, but he's also had some really rough moments.
1: And we you haven't... dropped him, too, didn't you?
0: I dropped him, but of course, yeah. I mean, that was kind of a, that was kind of a Homer pick anyways. It was my last pick and he was yeah, true. <laughs> when I picked him. I looked afterwards and they'll give you like, Oh, percentage of teams that he's on or percentage of leagues that he's on a roster. And mm-hmm. he's, he's on like 3% of rosters and I'm sure all oh, of those really? are in Utah. So it's like, I knew it was way above where, you know, he shouldn't have even been drafted, but I thought it would just be fun.
1: But um, I, I, I'm a little surprised, like, Walker Kessler was on, like, 85% of rosters. Oh, really? Yeah, and I thought he was going to be, you know, kind of like a Keontae George, not as drastic, but I was expecting him to be like, okay, Utah, you know, like, Jazz fans will will put him on their team, but not a lot Hmm. of people outside of Utah. I don't know. I was surprised by that, and I was surprised by how high those numbers stayed with his performances.
0: Right. Well, I mean, he was. I mean, he was all rookie first team last year, so yeah, it's not. It's true. not too surprising. But uh, he struggled a little more this season. But uh, regardless, we'll we'll save the fantasy talk a little bit for for Friday. Right. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. For me, I had the Trailblazers and Rockets and Spurs and Raptors. They all moved up in a big chunk. Um. The Trailblazers, especially, they moved up six. The Rockets, five. Uh. Spurs and Raptors, four and three. Uh, Spurs especially two big wins over the Phoenix Suns even if the Suns have been struggling you know the way they won those games and when Benyama's performances specifically I thought were were fantastic Portland 3-1 and I love they've been kind of outperforming the expectation in this early point of the season Hmm. Um, otherwise yeah Magic Nets both moved up big for me the Nets won a key uh, key in-season tournament game so that's uh, even more valuable as far as their 3-1 and record the Hawks we had the Hawks in a similar spot. Wyatt had them at 15. I had them at 14. Apparently, the NBA's power rankings has them fifth overall. I mean, maybe you can argue top 10. Five seems a little high, but anyways. A high. <laughs> yeah, yeah 10, 10, 10 might even seem <laughs> high. Even though, we, like we said, the Hawks have potential, but it, it's still a little bit early. But um, as far as, yeah, top 10, yeah, Suns and Kings fell. Uh, Kings went 0-2 last week. Definitely sad to see that. Um, so they fall out of my top 10. Uh, as far as my top 10, I have Celtics usurping the Nuggets for the time being just because to start the season, they've just been a little more impressive as far as all-around team play. They're undefeated uh, to start the season. So they're one. Nuggets are two. I keep the Bucks at three. Then the Warriors, Sixers, and Mavericks, four, five, and six. They all move up in a big chunk. Warriors have been great. Uh, Sixers has been good. And again, the Mavericks, surprisingly good. Then I have Lakers, Timberwolves, Suns, and Cavaliers rounding out my top 10. Timberwolves moving up to the top 10 for the first time for me uh, this season. So yeah, a lot of movement. And as I said, I think we'll see a good amount of movement for the next couple of weeks. It felt like last year, maybe about the halfway point, it was fairly consistent after that point as far as, you know, nine or eight of the same teams would be every week and they would shift position slightly. And maybe a new team would jump up with a great uh, few weeks of run. But otherwise I think that uh, that takes care of our power rankings. Why any other thoughts on that before we jump into our next segment? Nope. Okay, perfect. Let's go ahead and jump into this. And this is the, the, Long-anticipated debut of this segment. I'm excited about it, and we're calling this segment DefCon Levels. Let's go ahead and get started.
1: We are at DefCon One. DefCon One.
0: DefCon Levels. Thank you, of course, to well, firstly Masayoshi Takenaka, of course, who does who did a lot of the music we've have. Um, also, Microsoft Mike and the uh the clip from war games i when i thought about it today i wanted to say john goodman but it's not john goodman that's in that movie it's an actor that for some reason reminds me of john goodman but i digress let's go ahead and uh explain how this segment is going to work so basically we've each picked uh a few topics and it's kind of generally either a player or a team and we're going to present them to each other and we're going to each respond with a a defcon level and in response to a question that we'll also give kind of with the player team. So as an example, let's say at some point during the season, I were to give Wyatt this example. Well, Jokic has had a great stretch of games. You know, what is the DEFCON level for his MVP chances? And then Wyatt in response could go, if you're not familiar with how DEFCON works, DEFCON level of five is like, everything's good. No worries. And then four, three, two, one, it starts to increase and if you get to defcon 1 then it's like red alert uh everyone should be uh aware and of the situation kind of a thing so um if Wyatt were to say "Oh, defcon 5 you know he's had some nice games but um maybe an overreaction we don't need to worry at this point i think there's some other candidates whatever the situation is or he could go you know increasing levels if you were to go to defcon 1 he'd say absolutely he's the front runner or he's one of the top guys he's had you know, you can't dispute his games. DEFCON won. People should be on red alert for him winning MVP. So that's a really basic example to help kind of get you introduced to what the segment will look like. Uh, I've picked three um, players to talk about why it's gone with two different teams to talk about. And we'll go back and forth with this. Uh, shouldn't take too long, but why I'm going to go ahead and start. And I'm going to start with the talking point of the NBA season. Um, I'm sure we'll get, It'll be ad nauseum at some point in the season, but Victor Wenbanyama, I'm going to start with him. Um, what is your thoughts, DEFCON level, for his chances to to break the drought of rookies not being able to make the All Star game? What do you think about Wembanyama breaking the streak Ooh, and making the All Star game?
1: That's actually a great one. Mine are kind of boring. <laughs> now that I hear that, <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, Geez, I like it. I like it. Um I wanna go two. I wanna go DEF two. I close. think that I think that he is, you know, just his physical attributes, you know, the uh, the height, the quickness, the shooting, the uh lurpiness that, you know, contributes to his five blocks and, and stuff. His his length, I guess, would be a better way of putting that. He is just a fun to watch because it's almost like a circus, you know? It's like people want to go to the circus because they just can't believe what they're seeing a little bit. It's a little bit of a shocker. And I think he's kind of like that. Like, he, he's kind of goofy. Like, he's he, he moves just a little bit different because of how tall and long he is but he's like so talented you know he he finishes these crazy oops that you know easily cuz he can you know he he just can reach it from the other side of the court and it's just i don't know i, I think that that alone is intriguing enough to make him a part of the conversation like you said he's he's already been constantly a part of the conversation and everything you can't you can't like go anywhere NBA and not see something about Wemby so you know I think I think of any recent you know rookie that I can think of he definitely has the best chance uh, I mean and that, and that's coming from a jazz fan who we had uh, you know lowry who last year made the all-star team and as like a sophomore or whatever well i mean he was in like his fifth year (laughs) yeah
0: it's i I did not know that actually he was part of the uh i don't think it was a draft day trade but it was around the draft when this was back when zach levine was traded from the timberwolves to the bulls and he was technically, I think, a, a draft choice of the Timberwolves, but then was sent to the Bulls along with the, I, I want to say it was the Zach Levine deal. Or maybe, wow. no, it was, the, it was the other way around, I want to say. No, no, no. Because he never played for the Timberwolves. But he was with the Bulls for the first three or four years, and then he was with Cleveland the year before
1: last season so but i don't blame you because i thought he was i thought this was his second year genuinely (laughs) or this was his third last year was the second you know
0: yeah but i mean in some ways it makes sense because you know he had been kind of an underachiever in chicago for a few years and then when he went to cleveland he was just not a fit for what they were trying to do he was an afterthought in a sense and so it felt like kind of a a new player almost when he got to utah and just broke out the way he did so i don't blame me honestly Hmm. but um yeah i was gonna just kind of give people some context for wemby's stats this season uh so far in six games he's averaging 20 and a half points eight rebounds two assists nearly three blocks and one and nearly one and a half steals uh, at that power forward spot for them. Zach Collins playing in the center. And, you know, I think he made a perfect comparison, the whole circus idea in the most positive sense, of course, you know, but he's a spectacle, yeah. right? He's, he's so unique. He's so uniquely gifted. And even for the players, you know, there's, there's already a couple of clips of him. I want to say they're from the preseason, but he, you know, he dunks from outside the restricted area, just stands and and reaches over and dunks it, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> I'm trying to think who it was. I want to say it was somebody on the. Uh, it was Thomas Bryant, maybe on the Heat, and it, the look on his face, and it's just like stunned, like <laughs> I, you know, can't believe what's going on. And this is an NBA pro. You know, it's yeah. hard to find players who are really doing something that you've never seen.
1: Um, well, Clay to- or not, Clay Thompson. Jeez, Kevin Durant addressed the issue because uh some reporter had asked him about you know kind of the comparison in their in their physical uh statutes you know like the tall lanky skinny guys that were also mm. very skilled like had had great guard skills you know uh, as far as dribbling and and quickness and shooting and mm-hmm. he was even like like this you know there might be some similarities and like Whatever he's talked about, like, they'd asked him about how he grew up watching him and, you know, shaping his game around Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant's like, like, I know a lot of young guys who watched me growing up. And I, you know, sure, we're both tall, skinny dudes. But, like, he is very much his own man. Like, he's doing things that no one's seen before. He, like, is really kind of a trailblazer in a lot of things besides of his uh team affiliation. He's not. But... <laughs> like yeah he's he's it, you know and i can't think of someone who's more closely uh you know built like victor wembanyama than kevin durant and then and even he's like yeah this is totally like totally new thing here
0: yeah absolutely and again i would agree with what you said as far as you know i think people should be be aware you know it's not like oh it's it's a pretty great chance of hap- happening but you know there's a chance out there where he could make that make that all-star game. So definitely something to watch out for as far as our, our first one. So that's our, our first example. Why now your turn. I'm curious to see what your, what direction you're going in with, uh, with these teams.
1: Okay. Hey, Clippers. This is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't seem too crazy right now, but I think, you know, what, what do you think the DEFCON level is for the Clippers being a top four team in the Western Conference you know, semifinal? Okay. You know? All right.
0: That's a solid one, you know, and I, I think it's it's tricky because, of course, they've started off the season, Um, I want to say, in the first half, well, not first half, but the first few games, you know, the first couple of weeks, they were like, five and two or six and one, they were something somewhere in that range. They are you know, a top four or five team in the West record wise, um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, both back on the floor. They had moved up for me because I, I wasn't aware that Kawhi would be back in quite this capacity. Um, and so they started off very well. Westbrook was playing pretty well. The team was gelling. And then of course they make the trade <clears throat> just this last week for James Harden, which shakes up the roster a bit. Um, mm-hmm. We know, of course, what Harden is capable as a multiple time all star, um, you know, the an MVP in a in a previous life. He's he's one of the the greats of our generation, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. And you look at the roster, their starting lineup looks fantastic. Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then Avita Zubat's an underrated center as well. So it's a killer lineup on paper. It looks amazing, right? Um mm-hmm. One concern is the depth, you know, to get Harden. They gave up four different forwards who now, you know, suddenly your team looks kind of thin in the, in the, the bench category. Um, their backup lineup as I kind of have, it would be Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, PJ Tucker and Mason Plumley. And that's not bad at all, but there's not a lot of guys after that. I mean, like Amir coffee, Brandon Boston, Jr. Kobe Brown, the rookie. So it's like, it's not a terrible bench. It's not very deep. Um Norman Powell's great as a sixth man. P j. Tucker's getting older. I like Mason Plumley. so it it can work, you know, and I think that kind of as I had maybe said before the you know honeymoon phase of James Harden, if you will, where he's he's happy to be in a new situation. his play, you know, all the all four of those guys are going to be maybe re- slightly reduced roles because they have to play off each other. but um, they, they've looked good to start the season. They add Harden. So then the question is, you know, will they be able to maintain that versus the other teams? And I kind of default to my feelings about them going into the season. You know, the West just feels so stacked with Denver, Golden State, the Lakers and Suns haven't really gotten started, neither of the Kings yet. Um, And then, of course, you have kind of, risers early in the season, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, Timberwolves and Thunder have looked good as well. I don't know. It's tricky. I'm going to have to say long answer to the question. Uh, I mean, you started <laughs> off pretty early with your your answer. I'm going to say, I don't know. I And maybe I'm a pessimist here. I'm going to go Defcon four, just because I think there's a lot of big questions before that can really become a thing. And and it's early actually looking at the the records right now. Not sure if this includes any of tonight's games, but they're three and three. So Mm. middle of the pack, I'm going to say DEFCON four. They have plenty of talent to make it happen and it looks great on paper. But my big takeaway is we've seen how many different teams over the last four or five years that look great on paper, how many of those (laughs) actually translate. So that's what I'll say right now.
1: (laughs) Well, the the suns, (laughs) it's also
0: early. that one's a flip side where, you know, I think, they again with Bradley Beal injuries out, so. and
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's hard to say that, but that that's where I'd go with that DefCon four. So okay, a little alert, but nothing, nothing crazy. So uh, I like it. I like it. Okay. All right. Let me go ahead and give you my next uh, player to talk about. I'm gonna go with let's go with Cam Thomas, of course, Brooklyn Nets. He's averaging about 26 points a game right now uh, across six or seven games. His the DEF CON level on his chances for the most improved player.
1: Uh you know, I feel like I feel like this one's kind of easy for me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's no uh you know credit or discredit to Cam Thomas. I I'm gonna go five though. Wow. And not because uh not because he's not like like obviously he's he's in the mix, he's you know, one of the early scouts for that award. Hmm. But I think most improved player is just so broad as to what players it can include, right? I mean I mean you have MVP, which is a pretty select group of like your top notch all stars. Mm-hmm. You have Mm -hmm. rookie of the year, which is limited just to rookies. You have, you know, I mean, I guess some of the other ones like defense player of the year or whatever. Like, you you have some that like can cover a pretty decent umbrella of of players. But I think the most improved is like, you know, just there's so many players that are in that category and that end up being in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time saying, like, you really got to watch Cam Thomas. He's, you know, he's going to be the one. Because, mm-hmm. you know, injuries and whatever else just totally. And just the sheer number of candidates they could end up in, it, I think. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's too uh, high of a number, but that's that's kind of what I'm feeling.
0: You know, honestly – That You make a great point as far as most improved because a lot of the other awards, like you said, you know, have a certain range of players that are going to be candidates, you know, even the sixth man of the year, it's not any of the starters, but most improved you'll have guys. I mean, I remember in the Curry MVP years, some people would go on, you know, the, the talking head shows and be like, well, he should be a candidate for most improved player too, because this, this, you know, the 2016 MVP year, was so much better than 2015. Um, Mm -hmm. You'll get it from obviously, you know, first time all-stars. I feel like that's a a pretty common area for the most improved conversation. And then you'll get it from, from bench guys from, from second year guys, you know, it's a wide, it's a wide net. So that's fair. Um, And we saw flashes of cam Thomas last year. So it's not a huge surprise. Um, He's got a much impre- much increased workload. He's shooting about twelve more shots a game, playing double the minutes. Um, but he's he's converting. I mean, his percentages are are better and worse than last year. But he's averaging sixteen more points a game so far this year. So, but other statistical categories, he he hasn't made a huge jump. I mean, he's grabbing a few rebounds, a few assists. So, so I think it's fair. You know, I mean, it's just a lot of big scoring games early. You know, maybe not Mm. to get too hyped on that, especially where there's such a a broad range of of candidates. So I think that's a fair response, honestly. You know, I would have maybe gone four, but
1: again, it was me who
0: presented it, I suppose. (laughs) um, Okay. What do you got next for me, Wyatt?
1: Okay. So jumping over to the Eastern Conference, since uh, Clippers are obviously in the West, Uh, the Bulls, this one, you know, May or may not be a crazy thing, which obviously Carson will determine. The Bulls will not be a bottom five team in the East this year. Come, uh, you know, come end of regular season, will not be, will not be, in okay, the bottom five.
0: So for context, they're 13th in the East right now, two and five overall record. Um, of course, again, it's early. Teams like the Miami Heat are down here, uh two and four, the Knicks as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually say I'm gonna say DEF CON five on this one, just because I mean we don't think of the East as stacked in the same way as the West, but there's a lot of good teams in the East too. You know, obviously your top tier teams, your Celtics, Bucks, um, maybe Sixers, but that top group is pretty easily carved out, but then there's a lot of teams that are going to be very quality playoff type teams. Um, The Cavs, the Knicks, the heat. Um, And then we have the younger teams that are starting to play better and and fulfill the promise, the Pacers, the magic, you know, the Hawks, as we've talked about, Um, the nets have been decent. The Raptors as well. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of good teams, and it's not a, a hate thing against Chicago because I I I really like those three stars, you know, Levine, DeRozan, and and Vucevic. They that's a great combo. Their depth weirds me out, and of course, I'm the um resident old timer of the podcast. You know, where's the <laughs> the low post centers who can where's the sky hook? But anyways, um, looking at their lineup, of course, Vucevic and Drummond, I Drummond off the bench I like as their backup center, but otherwise their depth, they just have so many guards. And I get that it's a guard-driven league and it's important to have those guys and their production. You have Caruso coming off the bench, who always is an impact player, regardless of having a big stat line or not. They have Javon Carter, Dosomu, um kobe white starting in place of uh you know lonzo ball of course he's missing the whole season ball was such a big factor for them being a great team to start the year a couple seasons ago tory craig getting big minutes he can be a nice rotation piece but maybe more minutes than you would want to have to give a guy like tory craig i don't know i i'm just not really sold on the bulls even if they're not they have the talent to to be competitive um I just, it just feels like a weird roster to me. That's really the only thing. It's just my, my preconception of how basketball should work Um, <laughs> along with the, you know, questions about the, the, the point guard spot Kobe white. I like as a player, him starting feels a bit of a, a bit like a stretch as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that go ahead and leave it at that. I'll leave it at DEFCON five, no disrespect wow. to the bulls, but. It just feels like a a, a tough mix there in the East. Um, All right, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. Our last scenario I'll give to Wyatt or player to talk about. Stephen Curry, um, of course, a two-time MVP. What is your DEFCON level on his chances for a third MVP the way he started this season?
1: Ooh. man that's tough they old you know going going back to uh barclays comment or right, wasn't it Barkley? <laughs> saying they old um, <laughs> i don't know i think it was Barkley. Barkley. uh um, what was the comment again and just they old like oh, he was yeah. asked about the warriors <laughs> Cause, like, yeah, lots of uh, lots of big names doing good things, but the old, I I'll I'll give it like, I'll give it a three, okay, which actually feels like a, you know, feels like I maybe should have gone four, but I'll, I'll leave it, um, and. You know, I'm not like a crazy Steph Curry fan, you know, uh, compared to, like, I, when I think of Warriors fans, they're like the, you know, the diehard in your face, like, Mm. Curry is the GOAT fans, but, like, I still feel like I see more Warriors jerseys than, well, maybe Lakers, but anyway, uh, I'm getting off topic here. (laughs) I think Steph Curry is still obviously a great, you know. Um, he is doing great things this year, and I am sure he's going to continue to play amazing all through the season. But there are also a lot of other great players who, um, you know, are also doing great things. And when I think of like Jokic, who Steph Curry, you know, has to compete against him for MVP, he has to compete against Embiid, who uh, you know won it last year and you know might not be off to a crazy hot start, but he's had some he's had a couple really amazing games. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think you know he's going to be in the conversation again. You know, Giannis is always just kind of always there, um, and you know, with my optimism for the Mavericks, Luca might be. Uh, you know, may very well be in that conversation too. And then of course, you know, I gotta, I gotta give credit to Papa James, uh, Papa King, James. <laughs> You know he he's always great too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know maybe you know maybe not putting up MVP numbers so far. Uh, but he's played pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it a three because he's had a very strong start, and the Warriors are always or I expect the Warriors to be one of the better teams in the West, which, you know, you you kind of got to be on one of the successful teams to be, mm-hmm. be a candidate for MVP. But right. there's also several other guys that, or quite a few other guys that are, will be in that category.
0: Right. Now, that's, that's a fair take, I'd say. Um, and generally, it seems like we were both, hesitant to go quite defcon 1 on any of those but i'm sure we'll have some in the future overall um yeah i as i said before i'm excited for that segment going forward i think that's it it brings up a lot of fun conversations about either players or teams so um yeah great stuff there uh, a great first run for defcon levels let's go ahead and jump to our next segment our maybe our big monday segment um maybe one of our bigger segments uh, our weekly MVP discussion. Let's go ahead and get that started.
1: Weekly MVP.
0: All right. Thanks again, Microsoft Mike. Really appreciate your work on those tracks. So, our week two MVP candidates again, last week's action an MVP for that stretch. We pick, of course, players who had great individual statistical performances, but we also focus on players with uh, winning records across that time span and uh, standouts in, uh, well, I'd say advanced stats. We have plus minus along with traditional stats. So it's not very uh, advanced as far as you know modern metrics goes, but we have 10 candidates we pick every week. This week's candidates uh, in descending order from points average. We have Jason Tatum, Stephen Curry, Anthony Edwards, DeJounte Murray, Nicole Jokic, Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, and yes, here he is again, Victor Um They all had great weeks. Um Winning records, a couple of guys went undefeated in Tatum, Murray, and Embiid. Um, A lot of names. Last week, of course, we went with Luka Doncic for our first MVP, weekly MVP of the season, and that was a pretty clear-cut case. I mean, he averaged like 10 points a game more than the next guy, Um, nearly a triple-double average. I mean, he was standout. But this week, I think it's a closer race. Um, There's a lot of good names here. Uh, A lot of guys have some stats just a little bit nicer than some of the other guys. Wyatt, this is kind of your first chance to really look in depth at this, uh, this list of candidates. Who's maybe jumping out to you uh, early on?
1: Yeah, man, we have a, we have a solid group here. Um, You know, Jason Tatum, obviously jumping out stellar, Stellar numbers. He was our number one point leader. He had almost ten boards. Low on the turnovers, only two point three. Um, and you know, field goal percentage fifty nine percent. Three pointers fifty four percent. So, and then ninety four from the free throw line. He's got the highest plus minus on our list at twenty seven. And then you know his his uh. What was it? He became the youngest Celtic to get on the scoring list, or something
0: to to score so, 10,000 career points.
1: Yeah, there you go. So, like, that's you know, that's also kind of like a cool milestone that would you know maybe make that you know kind of not a factor, but also kind of is in, in uh, deciding the MVP. It's it's there. Uh Jokic. Is standing out, of course, a whopping eight assists, twelve and a half boards, and twenty-eight points, which really like our points are pretty close here. Mm -hmm. I mean 32 almost for Jason Tatum to 25 at Victor Wimanyama only a seven point spread Mm -hmm. versus you know, last last week you said Anthony Davis was Anthony Davis ten ahead of Luca. Oh Luka. Okay, Luka was 10 ahead of the second place person so mm. i been pretty tight as far as points go but Jokic standing out in 12 and a half boards uh you know along with eight assists, uh, only three turnovers and then a steal, a block and great percentages again.
0: How about I mean, Anthony Davis, four point seven blocks per game across? Yeah, three games. and I mean
1: Anthony Davis hmm. is obviously like, and only one point seven turnovers, which you know, see, and Luca was impressive too, but he has six turnovers, and Steph with five turnovers, and I'm like, ugh, how how do I, you know, that's kind of a lot of turnovers, especially for guys who handle the ball so much, like, hmm. you know, I guess you you expect a guy that handles the ball a lot to have more turnovers just because of the percentage that the ball is in their hand but mm-hmm. also like they got to be able to take care of the rock if they're handling the ball so yeah uh yeah Anthony Davis you know great numbers from him too i 5 blocks a game 14 boards 27 points again right there uh in in everything and mhm I don't know, man. It's a it's a tight race this week here.
0: Should I uh, should I give you who I'm leaning towards and maybe try and pitch you on that player? Yeah, pitch me because I'm I'm torn. <laughs> I I'm looking at uh, the Joker. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> not very much of a pitch there, but uh, yeah, Jokic was was three and one on the week. One of the better records. Of course, they're all winning records, but three and one. I mean, seventy five percent. Uh, or, you know, 750 winning percentage there, 28 points a game, 12 boards, eight assists. So nearly that triple-double kind of average we expect. He had the best assist-to-turnover ratio of anyone on this board. And like you said, you talk about point guards or, you know, lead guards, guys who are running your offense, and Curry and, and Doncic, you expect to have better assist-to-turnover ratios. Curry was one-to-one. Um, Doncic was a little better. Even LeBron, you know, his ability to run the offense, he was uh just a little bit above one on that ratio. Uh Jokic looks like he was about two, two and a half uh assists to, to one turnover. So much better there. The defensive numbers are all uh-ish, you know, about a steal a game, nearly a block a game. Definitely not compar- comparable to You know, AD or LeBron or or Wemby, as far as what they did defensively, but still one of the you know, I mean, Tatum was with zeros in both steals and blocks. So I think you know, Jokic is doing all right there, Uh, middle of the pack as far as personal fouls. The percentages were very solid, uh, about sixty five percent from the floor, thirty five from three, Uh, not amazing on the free throw line, seventy six percent, but he was plus eleven average in his games um, playing about 33 minutes a game. It just seems like the the most quality, well-rounded stat line of all these guys. You look at a lot of the other guys and there's something that's going to kind of jump out and be a bit of a weakness. You know, if I had to pick a second guy and maybe actually go to Jante Murray, I mean, he had a pretty solid stat line as well, but um, I don't know. Jokic feels like the, uh, the, the best all round pick this week, but let's hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely get behind that. I'm looking, yeah. I, I mean, you may have unintentionally sold me on AD a little bit. Okay. Um. Also, just because he also is kind of in that group of like super, uh, you know, super stellar numbers across the board. I mean, three percentage. Obviously, you know, either he didn't shoot any or he missed the few that he did shoot because he was 0% from the three-point line. Hmm. um, Which, you know, I don't know how many threes he shot, so I guess that could be pretty bad. Anthony uh, Davis? Correct. Yeah, and he was negative five on plus-minus, which sometimes I take those scores with a grain of salt. Um, hmm. But otherwise, like, he seemed pretty stellar across the board. And also, Joel and, and you know, AD also, you know, Basically a two to one ratio for, uh, assist to turnover, which not as good as Jokic, but not hmm. bad, especially for someone who you know is not necessarily known for their amazing passing ability like Jokic is. Hmm. Then Embiid also pretty stellar numbers across the board, kind of high on turnovers though. So yeah, he's got you know, he's got something that's there. That's yeah, kind of negative. Should I aid you on your,
0: sorry, should I aid you on your Anthony Davis thing, Uh the three-point question? He only attempted one three all week.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, see, so, like, that's not even a bad, like, I don't even give that stat any credit. Except for that we, you know, it would be obviously better if he was knocking some down from downtown. Mm -hmm. How many did Embiid shoot? Because he was 60% from the three-point line, but I don't know if that was, like, did he shoot? Did he shoot five and was he three for five? Cause that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Let me see if I can find that. Um, I want to say that Anthony Davis as well for the season is averaging close to like 40% from three. So he's been hitting him this year. He just didn't really take him this past this week. week. Um, uh-huh. Embiid, he was, let's see, three of five, but yeah, that's across yeah. two games.
1: True. Yeah, I guess that that definitely factors in. He only played two versus you know three or four that these other conversation guys played. Hmm. Uh, man, I don't know. I I could be sold on Jokic, but also I want to push AD a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he 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 got a rebound and a half more than, uh, each. Sorry, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more talking myself here than anything, and a lot of blocks—four, basically four more blocks than Jokic. Yeah. Uh, the um, field goal percentage, Jokic had the edge. Go ahead.
0: I I think you maybe already said this. The assist to turnover ratio was still solid. Um yeah. the, the defensive numbers, as you said, more fouls, but that's you know not always a, a bad thing in a sense. I, yeah. did, I I could get behind AD as well. I mean, yeah. those are probably our two leading candidates at this point, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, but I I do got a forfeit to Jokic. I mean, yeah, AD put up awesome numbers, um, and his blocks, like, I don't know, I it's I love seeing high blocks because, and mm-hmm. one blocks are just cool, and so they they almost like merit a little more attention just because, like you you rarely see like. Really high numbers, you know, of, mm. of blocks. So it's it's cool to see someone average, you know, five blocks over three games, basically mm. five blocks. But outside that category, Jokic led in everything else, except for rebounds by a hair. You know, which doesn't really matter, right?
0: So, yeah, I I would agree. Should we should we lock that in then?
1: Yeah, but mad props, AD, because we love the uh, love the defensive effort there.
0: For sure. Honorable mention to Anthony Davis. <laughs> Standout week for him as well. But yeah. we're going. Let me go ahead and write it in right now. Last week, I didn't write it in live just because I... Actually, I can't even remember why I didn't do it live. Maybe I was being lazy. <laughs> who knows but there we go we've written it in i'll go ahead and show wyatt there Nikola Jokic, nice. your week two mvp i'll also show there's there's luka um oh, yeah there you be. early i was early on i was thinking i need to really plan out the space to write these names but with two names in it looks like we're gonna have plenty of room to work with especially compared to last year where we were having to
1: yeah
0: <laughs> write it on kind of a tricky situation. I actually have last year's trophy hanging out as well. But yes. um but yeah congrats to the Joker Nicole Jokic. Um another MVP to add to the the case along with the regular season MVPs, the finals MVPs. Uh well deserved you're not too far away, Nicola, if you want to make a quick trip a trip over to Utah Valley. Um we'd love to have you stop by and uh accept your award. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and reset our candidates and we'll pick that back up next Monday for our week three MVP at the end of this week of basketball. Um, but before that, though, we, of course, have to get to this week of basketball and that takes us to our weekly forecast. So this is Tuesday through Friday. The action that's going to be happening, uh, the games to look out for a little bit of a preview for you. Firstly, tomorrow, there are no games. It's Election Day. Um so, uh on Wednesday's show we'll just be covering Monday's action. Um, but on Wednesday we're back with a 14 game slate. All but two teams are playing and we have an ESPN double header for your national broadcast. Firstly at 7:30, the San Antonio Spurs and Wemba Nyama travel to New York and uh to face off against the New York Knicks. Wemby's first game in Madison Square Garden. Uh hopefully puts on excuse me, hopefully puts on a show. That should be exciting to watch. And then at 10 o'clock, the uh, Denver Nuggets host the Golden State Warriors, a battle of two of the top teams in the Western Conference at this point in the season. Uh, you have 12 remaining games after that. All these are going to be on pretty much league pass. Uh seven o'clock the Sixers hosting the Celtics in a classic rivalry seven o'clock as well the Pacers host the Utah Jazz and also the Hornets host the Washington Wizards at 7 30 the uh, Brooklyn Nets host the Los Angeles Clippers at eight o'clock uh, five six straight games at eight o'clock firstly the Cavs travel to Oklahoma City to face off against the Thunder uh, the Timberwolves host the New Orleans Pelicans uh, division matchup the central division matchup uh, the Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Detroit Pistons uh, the Memphis Grizzlies hosting the Miami Heat uh, the LA Lakers in Houston against the Rockets also a little bit of a rivalry history there uh, and then finally your last eight o'clock game the Chicago Bulls host the Phoenix Suns at 8 30 the Dallas Mavericks host the Toronto Raptors and then at 10 o'clock your late game along with that second of the ESPN games, the Sacramento Kings host the Portland trailblazers. So a very jam packed Wednesday of action on Thursday, there's only two games. They're both national broadcasts on NBA TV. Firstly at seven o'clock, the uh, Indiana Pacers host the Milwaukee bucks again, a central division matchup. And then at nine 30, the Orlando magic hosts the Atlanta Hawks in a Southeast division matchup. So definitely worth watching there. And then finally on Friday, We'll end off with, yet again, our, our second day of group play uh, for the in-season tournament. Your national broadcast on ESPN at 7.30, the Boston Celtics will host the Brooklyn Nets. That's a Eastern Conference Group C uh, game. And then at 10 o'clock, the Phoenix Suns will host the Los Angeles Lakers. That's Western Conference A. Your remaining games at seven. We'll both have the Wizards hosting the Hornets, that's East B, and then also the Pistons hosting the Sixers, that's East A. 8 o'clock, the Spurs will host the Timberwolves, Western Conference Group C, and also at 8, the Grizzlies host the Jazz for Western Conference A, and also the Rockets host the Pelicans for Western Conference B. Uh, at 8.30, the Mavericks host the Clippers for West B, and finally, the Kings hosts the Thunder for Western Conference Group C. A little bit more Western Conference games this time around, it seems. Um, a lot of these teams debuting their new in-season tournament courts. Um, we didn't talk about those before. A quick side note. We're kind of mixed on our thoughts on the the look of the in-season tournament courts. Um, but regardless, a lot of action over the next week uh, or weekdays. So it's definitely going to be exciting to watch for. Wyatt, maybe just a quick note, one game that stands out to you, um, you know, national broadcast or not, that you think would be uh, exciting to watch.
1: Yeah. And also, sorry, if you could hear me or my child in the background. You no worries. And was <laughs> chattering. So, uh Top couple of games set up for me is Warriors at Nuggets uh, Wednesday. Um, you know, two of the best teams in the West facing off. And then I also am interested in Celtics at the Sixers that same day, as well as the Lakers and the Suns playing on Friday. So those are kind of the uh, top the uh, top oh and clippers and mavericks got to throw that in there yeah yeah uh a, a several good matchups this this week for sure
0: absolutely yeah i i would echo those same games i'd also just pick they're kind of under the radar for some reason i mean I, I i like the divisional matchups but i especially like the central division matchups for some reason i mean they're all very close and it also for some reason makes me think of in the nfl like the the AFC North it's, I don't know why those two things are comparable. They're sort of similar regions, but it just feels like a lot of more kind of grittier teams, hard-nosed teams. If we want to be all uh, blue collar teams, if we want to be all cliche about it. but <laughs> um, Yeah. Regardless, I think there's plenty of exciting games and again, Friday uh, group play. It'll be interesting to see. And also the jazz, their first group play game. So we're definitely interested see how that goes as well. They're against the Grizzlies. You hope they have a good chance to win that. Um, But we, uh, we can hope for a lot of things. So anyways, (laughs) that's, uh, that's it for our weekly, uh, our our week forecast. Let's wrap things up with our this day in history fact for you. Uh, We're turning back the clocks to 1971, Uh, November 6th of 1971, the Los Angeles Lakers won the first of what would turn out to be a NBA record, 16 consecutive road games beating the Golden State Warriors 105 to 89. Um of course that team the 71-72 Lakers one of the best teams in NBA history one of the top, you know, 16-20 teams and uh will yeah Wilt Jerry West Elgin Baylor technically he kind of retired mid-season um, but it was really West and Chamberlain and Happy Hairston at power forward <laughs> and also Gail Goodrich. Um mm-hmm. it was a very well-rounded team so uh, Hairston, an underrated player in his own right, but um, I digress. That kind of covers it for our show. Why any closing thoughts before we wrap this up?
1: Uh, no, I'm excited for a full week of the NBA in season tournament here. It's going to be exciting to see how, uh, see how each team ups their game to you know put themselves in a position to win this thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's it's super interesting. Every every time that the in-season tournament happens, it's something it's a new experience this year. So it's definitely exciting to watch, but uh, yeah, uh, at that point, I'll real quick uh, plug our, our social media pages Um, on Instagram and Facebook, where crossover across time, pretty straightforward to find us on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer um, it's X over across time, which is fitting, I suppose, but it was more just the character limit of the username. Um, on all of those, you can find our link tree that will link to any of the other social media pages and also the podcast itself, which is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, RSS.com, and of course, Spotify, uh, kind of the big one. But uh, definitely check us out and your support on the show is really appreciated. With that, we'll go ahead and sign off and we'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you again for listening.